Hello and welcome back to the Football Babble. It's myself, Phil, Breton and Stephen. Game week one is finished. Hello lads, how are you? Been better. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, like, obviously, a win, losing a draw on the podcast tonight. Chelsea win, Liverpool draw and United defeat. But despite Chelsea winning... They weren't an amazing, and we'll chat about them quickly, Brenton, in a minute or two. They, they weren't amazing yesterday. We were talking about this last night when you were over. Um, obviously, Liverpool, quite poor at times against Fulham. And then Manchester United, sort of similar. Um, and we'll know in Park at the end as well, which is um, probably one of their main sticking points. But I don't know where you want to start, Stephen. Do you want to rip the band-aid off first? Because we'll have to talk about United. Obviously, I think it's going to be the big talking point of the weekend. It and Erling Brute. Holland, um obviously listened to the babble and heard Jonathan's wild take and thought, fuck you, Cousin Mod, I'm going to prove you wrong. And he did prove him wrong, which is interesting, and I like it. Anytime Cousin Mod's proved wrong, is always a good day in my books. But Stephen... What a stupid tech, though, from the word go. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, but the thing well, is, right, it, it's now... One of us thing. as well, Stephen, before you start, one of us also on this podcast didn't think Nunez or Holland would click in the Premier League. That's Steven. not what I said. I said with nothing but malice in my heart. Do I find so purely out of spite? I wanted them to fail. But I will say this, right? <laughs> I am very much against teams giving a new player a penalty for the first goal. Um, I think it's a it's a coward's way out of breaking your uh, breaking your duck as a goal scorer. Um, so I'm not counting the goals today for Haaland. He's, as far as I'm concerned, he's <laughs> and the count starts next week. But on, on Johnny's sake, with Haaland having a bad team, I mean, the thing about it is, right, it is stupid, but you seem like a genius if you're right at the end of the year. Like, you come across yeah. <laughs> an absolute savant. He took so that I risk. Think, yeah, I, like, I, I can see the risk reward there, uh, of coming out with that. But no, United, it was a funny one because, I saw the team at the start of the game, and I think like everyone, I thought, okay, it's Ericsson up front, and everything's going to kind of go through him. He's going to take that Martial role that 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 Martial has had in preseason and stuff. And then, like they were playing with no forwards whatsoever, it was the most <laughs> bizarre setup. And yet they had chances. I thought for the first sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes, they looked okay without creating any real clerical chances. I know uh, Fernandez had that shot that went over the bar from, from fairly close range, but I didn't think there was, there was no, there was nothing to, to kind of signify what was to come in the, the kind of 15 minutes before half time. But look, it's week one. Um, this is real football now for, for Eric Ten Hag. Um, I thought I think in from his, for his point of view, I think having to revert to Ronaldo so early is the worst possible start he could yeah. have had, considering what he he said. But there was a few interesting things. Like I thought, like I, I keep going. Like I, I tweeted it today. Like you cannot start Fred and McTominay in midfield in the Premier League and expect like. It, it's just bizarre watching them. Like, and I, I, I can we talk about Harry Maguire and his mistakes and his lack of pace and his lack of game management and all that all day, right? But when you look at when you look at McTominay and Fred, they both assume that the other is going to cover when they go forward. And the thing is, we have now got three seasons of evidence that nobody covers. When one of them goes forward, they both go forward. There's nobody covering back there, and there's this massive hole in the middle of the United midfield. And 
you know, the first the first goal came from I think it was Fred giving the, maybe it was actually Ericsson giving the ball away in the middle of the field, but there was just an acre of space for the pass we played into Welbeck and then obviously they, they they got the goal from there. But like the last half full way of looking at it is Brighton beat United four 0 the last time they played. So maybe a two one defeat isn't all that bad. Like is De Jong the answer in there then? Is he gonna plug gaps, especially if he has Jaime Maguire and also absolute chaos king Lissandro Martinez? Um, he'll get he'll get much better, but he looked like a player that had just realised, oh bollocks, I'm playing for Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world, and this is Old Trafford. You know, it looks like he just walked out and went, fuck, this is where I am now, instead of. No, not saying anything against Ajax, but instead of being an Ajax, it sort of looked like he was frozen a bit, and he, he warmed up. He, he came into it again. Then last ten minutes, especially, I don't know whether Welbeck was tired. What was going on at ten fifteen minutes? He was much better. Martinez, Welbeck wasn't really able to get the better of him, but for a while, like Welbeck had him on toast. Yeah, and I think it's it was interesting that obviously Maguire and Martinez have now swapped positions in terms of where they they stay in the back four and stuff. Yeah. Um, I thought Dallow was okay as well. By the way, I mean in terms yeah, of, in I think he terms was. Of, he had a heavy first touch, like on that very, like the, the early on, he he kind of took him a little bit while to settle in, but he's a much better option than Mombasaka. But I think you're, yeah, you're not wrong. Like I think Martinez came into the game, he stopped playing the occasion and started playing the game kind of in the second half, and he had a he had a kind of a bit of a wild shot, swing at goal a couple of times actually, which I. You know, I'm not against centre halves being being that far forward taking shots in the box. He's certainly not going to score many from corners anyway. Um, but I, I I don't know. I I was okay with him. Like I, I you know, Gabby Hines is one of my favourite Manchester United players, and I love the chaos that came with him. But you kind of do need that settled, calm <laughs> other back three around when you have that one player who's a bit like that. Um, I thought the hey. sorry. Including, if you include Maguire, I, I thought that was such a stupid partnership to start on the first game. Cause yeah, I wouldn't have done once, it myself. As, as soon as Maguire makes inevitably, you know, some sort of mistake or like looks dodgy on the ball, you can feel the crowd getting like nervous. And that's not going to help Martinez in his first game at Old Trafford. Like I thought either put Varane and Maguire together or Martinez and Varane. Um, I, I don't know. Why that partnership? And keeping Maguire as club captain like means you were under pressure to play him. And like, surely it's going to be Varane and Martinez is going to be the the part. Well, that's what I would want if I was United family. Yeah, I think it has to be Varane and Martinez. And I think you're not doing Harry Maguire any favors either because he has to sense it from the crowd. He has to hear it. Like as you said, literally the first mistake he made, they were on his back. And yeah. you know, I I don't understand why why he kept him as club captain because you know you've got an opportunity coming in, new manager. You can like wipe the slate clean, and it gives Maguire a chance to kind of maybe just settle down. He doesn't have that pressure of being you know what many people are saying is like the worst Manchester United club captain, you know, in the Premier League era. And it it, it yeah. just feels that he he has no leeway now. He has no room for error whatsoever. Um, because the second he does make that mistake, and I'm a, I'm as big a critic as, as anyone of Harry Maguire, but like you also don't have to kind of put your own players under that much pressure in the first game of the season. You know, you know we've we've mm-hmm. 
we, we've seen only last season, you can lose your first game of the season and still go on and win the league. Like, it's not that, it's not the end of everything. Like, obviously, some of the performance you could take away and go, okay, that's a little bit worrying. But there were other parts that you could look at. And, and the thing with Maguire is, he doesn't have that chance now. He he is automatically assumed he's going to make a mistake in every game. And more often than not, he does. So I don't I don't see what the benefit of, of playing him is. I don't see what the benefit of playing that partnership is. Um so it was all it was all a bit confusing, especially like against a team that have consistently shown against United that they know how to play them and they know how to beat them. Um, I would have thought he would have gone for a little bit more, a little bit safer, a little bit more um traditional back four. But I also thought he might have done a little bit more in midfield as well. So it's it's really hard to see what whether he big brained himself today. But like the other thing as well, it's it's the first game. Like mistakes happen. Like you know, a really really good manager made two mistakes this weekend and cost his team two points. Like it happens to even the best managers. So I wouldn't. It's very easy, and our job, I suppose, is to react to these yeah. things. And I get it. Like you, you ask the question, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sounding off about it, and that's fine. Like, but I'm not, I'm not panicking in the way I did, kind of around the, the Moyes stuff. And now, the more I think about that, the more I was wrong about Moyes. Moyes probably should have got at least another year, um, because you see what he does. But people, when, people wouldn't. Uh... People wouldn't overreact, would they? Surely, after the first game of the season. Well, I've already seen two United fans refer to him as Eric Ten Weeks. So there were <laughs> there was fans fighting in the in the, the stands as well. I don't know if you saw us before we came on there. There was a, a row in the stands as well. Um, God knows what that's about, like. But the booing as well at half time and the booing at full time. Like, don't get me wrong. If I was there, I'd have booed too. But that's a different matter. But I, like. <laughs> I like I keep one of one of our listeners that we all love in the door Rizzo, I keep saying to him it has to be patience this year. Like United need to have patience. Ten Hag will get this right. I'm not saying he's gonna win everything and United are coming back to the glory glory days like but he's gonna get it right because he, he is a good manager. One thing I was disappointed in and it doesn't matter shakes I'm not a United fan was the fact he did cave in to Ronaldo. Yeah. Ten Hag Ronaldo doesn't want to be there, regardless how how an amazing footballer Ronaldo is. I get it, like he's one of the top three greatest of all time, like certainly one of the greatest goal scorers we'll ever see. But he doesn't want to be there, and other managers on their first game would have used that as a moment. Was like, well, this is my team. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I'm not going to bow down, and he did, and he went in, and it was sort of just like I think out of everything. Regardless of the result, because it's only the first game of the season, uh, I think that's that's his biggest mistake. Ten Hag made today. Um, one I of the agree. positives he made like though was one, sorry, one one of the positives was Christian Eriksen looks like a brilliant signing. <laughs> he was he was brilliant at times when he dropped back in the midfield. He was pro- a proper anchor like in midfield for United, a proper playmaker. Um, Fernandez still like his form seems to have gone really off. He still. Not there, and you always say this, Steve. The minute Ronaldo walks out that door, Fernandez will come back again to what he was previous. So I'm convinced of it. I'm absolutely. We'll see what happens, but I, I have a, I have a theory on that. Like, and and it's, I think with the whole it relates to the whole Maguire captaincy thing. Give it to Fernandez, big him up, you know, make him your man, 
but even today, you know, as you said, Steve, about um, Fred and McTominay, only one of them can play. Fred probably who's, is who I would pick. Fred and Eriksson is your midfield. Play Fernandez as your false nine, and I think that's that's it's a different team. It's a different game. And Fernandez as your captain, you know, sort of not leading the line, but like obviously um, as a false nine up there. Um, and and maybe even leave Ronaldo out of the squad, you know, um, today. But that's it. Just, if, he's, if he's not there, then the camera's not constantly panning to him like it did in the first half. You don't have to feel obliged to put him on. Like I would, yeah. I would absolutely admit he did nothing when he came on as well. That was the thing, and and I think Johnny made the point in the the group that all of a sudden Dallo was sort of like looking for balls to Ronaldo when there were actually easier balls on and stuff like that because that's the influence he has. Um, but yeah, yeah I, if that was the that's the only disappointment I'll have. Obviously, you don't want to lose the opening game of the season, but my big the biggest disappointment was 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 letting Ronaldo play because, like you said, it's bad for everyone that he's there still. Um, and the sooner the better someone come, comes in and, and takes him off United's hands, I think the better. Well, last year City lost their first game and they won the league, so you never know, Stephen. <laughs> you never know. Get Marco Nardovic in here tonight for £10 million and you could be on the gravy train back to the glory days, sir. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have to also as well touch on Potter, uh, Green Potter and Potter Ball. Brighton... Oh. Like their second goal, especially. I know it ended up scrappy because the ball came across or whatever, but just getting out of that corner, you'll argue Stephen should never get out of that corner, that's fair enough, but getting out of the corner where they did one touch pass and bang away, they went Lalana, uh, Gross, March, Trossard, Welbeck, everyone involved. They looked brilliant. <laughs> they looked really, really good. One of the best teams I've seen, and I've watched with five or six games this weekend, and they, Brighton looked one of the better teams. Yeah, I I I was very impressed with him. Like I think Danny Welbeck has phases like this as well, doesn't he? Like where he really looks like a fantastic footballer. Um, but yeah, I think you have to all credit to 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 Potter because I think he's done. They're just so well coached. That's the thing. Like they, you know, they're obviously limited players and limited resources, but they're coached to an inch of their life, and they're more than the sum of their parts, which is the exact opposite to what they were playing today, which is. You know, a team that we don't know how well they're coached because during the summer we saw them learning how to give and go, uh, which is a little bit worrying that professional footballers have to, to be taught that. Um, and but I do think I do think they're they're one of those teams that we're probably going to overlook how well they're doing because they'll just be consistently between tenth and fifteenth or eighth and fifteenth, and they probably don't get the credit they will deserve. Or Potter especially won't get the credit he'll deserve for doing that because that is difficult to do. And we've seen with teams when they've changed looking at you, Everton, when you move on from a manager who consistently does that, um it you you have negative results because of it. Like there is nothing wrong with finishing eight or ninth in the Premier League on on a consistent basis. And it, it it is a credit to that team that they can stay up they will stay up probably year after year as well. Yeah and, and like last year obviously they finished tenth. This year they've sold Cucurella um to Chelsea and Basuma to to Spurs. They're two best players, arguably last season. And they've got Caicedo in, I think he came he was in last year, but he had a prominent role to, today. And they just looked just as good. Like it's 
I think it sort of caught people by surprise too. We shouldn't really be surprised because like Brighton pegged Liverpool back last year at Anfield to bring it two all and should have beat Liverpool that day as well. Obviously, they beat United towards the end of the season. They're really good, good side, and and I, I think when I think the problem Brighton are going to have is holding on to Potter, and I think one of the problems could be when Southgate balls as the World Cup up that um, the FA look at Graham Potter and think. What about going for him? And I think that could be an issue. Never mind losing their players. I think Brighton have to try something out and make sure they get to this because they have a chance. I think I know it's only one game in, but this has been a a couple of this has been two or three seasons under Graham Potter, and they have a chance Brighton to be like last year's sort of West Ham or and Wolves year a couple of years before that and break into European football, which would be absolutely humongous for a football club to get into European football, be it Conference League or Europa League or. Champions League, whatever it is, it'll be huge for them. I think so too, but yeah. you're right. The, the Potter thing to England, that's an interesting one. It's a very early shout for what is very likely to happen. And, and Brighton as well, like, you know, they have um, they have a decent squad too. They might want to get a few more in um, before the end of the window. <clears throat> but... Um, you know, when you look at they still had that um Lamptey was on the bench today and uh Mope as well who can get a goal. Um and they've signed on loan uh Caldwell from, from Chelsea and I think they really wanted him permanently. He is a very good centre half. Um and sort of he he can play right across that back three. Um so I think he'd be he'd be really good on loan for them this year. Um, but he's he's building such a such a smart squad as well. Like the, it's not like um, it's not like just going ball out and you know ban anyone you can. Like they have to kind of fit into Potter's style. Um, and you know people like like Lana like. He's had a new lease of life at Brighton, and he was really good today. And that sort of front, um, you know, they were good, decent at the back as well. But that sort of front, kind of six, um, you know, the the two wide, um, Trossard and, and Gross, um, and then Wellback, I thought was was phenomenal today, especially in the first half. Um, they all understand each other so well, and it was evident in that in that second goal. Like they, they knew where each, each other were, um, where they were going to pick up positions and, um, you know, to get on the end of of things with the goal too, just put it into the right area and stuff. Um, really, really impressive and lovely, lovely team to watch. Um, if Brighton are on, uh, you know, I'll always stick it on. Um, and a decent end of the season last year. You know, they picked up some big results last season, and um, I like them. You know, hopefully, I, I think it's Johnny hits Brighton, but Johnny hits everyone. Um, <laughs> I think they'll. We should all get Brighton tops. Yeah, I um, love one. I think they'll build on that, you know. So do I, and I think you're right about the the uh, possibly another one. And I do, they do need a goal scorer. I know Mope can get the big goals. Welbeck, you're at uh, Stephen's great point. He goes in and out, um, of form mm-hmm. like that. But if they get like fifteen games of that out of them this year, Brighton, and they have a goal scorer in as long uh, uh, alongside Mope. Then they'll have a really, really good season. They need to try and find someone, and there's still time for them. And I think they have a lot of money to spend. So because they've already, I think the Ben White 
deal and someone else helped pay for the stadium. So they've got money to burn now after Cucurella being sold in Basuma. So um, interesting times ahead for Brighton. Um, we'll move on. Uh, we may, I might as well get this over and done with. Patrick's not here to back me up, but Liverpool, away to Fulham. And I'm still having uh, nightmares and cold sweats of Mitrovic. Folks, uh, lads, sorry, I don't ever want to see Virgil van Dijk bullied like that ever again. That was like, it was like seeing your dad get beat up. You know what I mean? It was just, it was horrendous. It was absolutely horrendous. And it, and it was Virgil van Dijk because Maddox was, Maddox was the better centre half and Maddox was okay on, on Mitrovic. Nothing seems to phase Joel Maddox, but it's never mentioned enough because he, he does look relatively awkward. And I think everybody just focuses on the fact he's going to go on a major run during the game so everyone can have a laugh. But he was alright. But when Mitrovic went on van Dijk, Van Dijk was toast, and it was so weird, but also so stupidly impressive. And Mitrovic, obviously, three goals the last time he was up in the league with Fulham. Went down in the championship, scored 946 goals, absolutely <laughs> roasted teams, and was amazing. Has come back up, and has started with a bang. And everybody's talking about the Hall Nunes, these big monsters. And there's, there comes this big Serbian hunk of beef, and just boosts Liverpool out of the road. And, and really, truly, should have had a win for Fulham yesterday. I don't know. I don't know if you both saw the game live. I don't know, Brent, if you saw it live, but he was an absolute freak. Yeah, and and I think the the thing about Mitrovic was, and maybe people won't know, but um, you know, the last time he scored a load of goals in the championship didn't really. I know. I think he he was injured maybe um, for part of the season, but when he came up, um, didn't quite live up to it. But I mean. He seems to know what he's at now, doesn't he? Um, and if you can do that against, you know, one of the one of the best, or arguably the best central defender in the world, um, and one of the best defenses in the world, um, you know, the other Premier League teams would would just need to watch out. Um, he's just, he's really, he is a bully, isn't he? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, and I know that's he's not even a flat track not, bully, he's an actual road yard bully, yeah, and it's nearly doing him a disservice, you know, you know, just calling him a bully because there's there's kind of an art to it as well, uh, in the way he approaches it. Um, says the big man because, <laughs> because you know, it's that's that's it though, it's, it's not just being big and strong, um. You know, you have to get into the right positions where you can get away with um, some of the things he gets away with. And a perfect example of it was, you know, peeling onto the back post for um, for the goal yesterday against Trent and, and knew any and no one's sorry he would um, get more joy that way and, and attacking it that way and just putting um, good power into the header and getting it on target. Um, sounds like easy stuff, but um, he. It's it's his art form, um, and the se- the second one, um, not so much what you see from Mitrovic normally, um, and and again not so much what you see from from Van Dijk either, which was was surprising. There might just be a bit of rustiness there, um, again possibly underestimating what what Mitrovic could do, and you know Van Dijk probably thought he, he could just sort of shield him, and you see him doing that so much, um. But when Mitrovic just knocks it to the side a wee bit, kind of that wee bit of acceleration maybe took Van Dijk off guard, and uh, and he obviously took him down. But again, you know, first game of the season, um, 
you mentioned about Man City having a slow start last year. Um, there's so much still to happen. Um, but I think certainly when you're asking about Mitrovic, like um, teams will will take more notice of him now going forward. Oh yeah, they'll have to. Um, it, it's not to take away from Fulham, Paulinho as well for Fulham yesterday for sixty odd minutes till he tired. Um, was excellent too. He's like go go gadget legs. He was everywhere. He he was really 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 impressive. And Liverpool really struggled. They didn't get any time in the ball. Fulham didn't let them have any time in the ball. They pressed him. Firmino didn't get a minute. He was poor. Um, as I said, the, I mentioned Van Dijk. I think the two full backs as well for a large portion of yesterday's game were poor. I think the right hand side improved massively when Elliot came on. He made a huge difference actually Liverpool and then Darwin Nunes up front was doing his own Mitrovic impression just being a wrecking ball. Um I think he bundled about four Fulham defenders over in about thirty seconds at one point just running through them and it was real like clumsily but but bash ball, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um you what, what do you think Steve of the team? Liverpool Sorry, team. Quick, just 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 before you ask, Steve, um in terms of the starting eleven, you know, I I think you probably think it won't be that going forward. Do you think Firmino probably no, I, loses I, place? I, and yeah, I, I, right. I don't, injured? I don't think. Uh, I don't want to come across as an asshole here, but I don't think Liverpool need to go with that midfield uh, away to Fulham now. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't win the game yesterday, so it looks silly. But I think they can afford to have one or two of the likes of. Kaido was ill, obviously, but um, someone like Kai- Elliot Carvalho, midfielders that would run with the ball and come through and, and, and attack more attacking spaces rather than you have uh, Thiago Fabinho and Henderson all sort of can play a little bit similar. Where Well, Henderson runs all day, but what I mean is they can dro- they drop deep and they'll try and pass from there. Or they'll set things up. You don't really have them in the final third and be able to create something. If you're going to do even... I would have done... Um, I must not Jurgen Klopp, but uh, yesterday, before the Thiago injury, I would have liked to have seen Nunes on with Firmino behind him, and then like one or two of Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago, whatever, um, because it, it just felt a bit too conservative yesterday, and I don't think they really need to do that. I think there's games now that Klopp can sort of change it, and he can trust like the likes of Carvalho needs a bit more games playing in the Premier League, but he can trust Harvey Elliott now, and I think in different games he can trust... Um, if he's not injured, like Curtis Jones in those games, that are a bit more uh, attack minded than the three at the the three that he did have, and then I would have liked to see Nunes start, um, but obviously he didn't. When he came on, he made he made a massive difference. But um, interesting, I think as well, I think both fullbacks are lucky yesterday that Timishkas certainly for Robinson was injured, and that Trent doesn't have he has Joe Gomez, but he doesn't have Calvin Ramsey is far too young and to get going yet. We'll see how he goes in the next couple of seasons or two. But it's someone to come on for them because the both of them looked way off the pace. Um, yesterday at times until the, as I said, they changed that right hand side. That's when Trent came into it, and I would have because you the five subs now, and I would have changed it. Um, certainly at one point because if like it's mad to think this, but, oh, but if you're losing points to City already in the league, people will think the league's over. It's not, but it's it's the mindset. And you wonder, does that creep into the mindset of players too, that we have to get going here? So it's just, that's what I added on yesterday. But um, I think Liverpool fans can just sort of say, we got lucky there, we get we get in and we get out with a point, and move on, and hopefully Monday night against Crystal Palace at Anfield, they can get three points. But Steve, I know you wanted to talk about Trent because Trent was getting a bit of abuse as usual even though 
Uh, I don't really think it's a good idea to leave your right back at the back post trying to stop M- Mitrovic coming in for a header. Well, this is it. Like I saw, so I wasn't watching the game. Like I was, I was parenting my kids at the time, um, and I saw all the tweets saying, "Oh, that's a typical Liverpool goal." You know, I was under Arnold caught watching, so I assumed it was one of those balls in over the back of him because he's gotten too far forward. Then I saw yeah. the goal. <laughs> then I saw the goal, and I was just like, "What? Like, there's not a there's not a fullback in the world could have defended that. Should he have taken a look?" Maybe, but what was he going to do? Mitrovic is twice his size. Like, I, I don't understand the criticism. The, the, the only criticism you could have of him there is he's bigger, and that's not possible, like, you know? <laughs> um, so I was very surprised. That how, and there's a lot of football journalists, like, really went after Alexander Arnold on that. And, and that is, for me, that is not the, the goal that I feel that, Alan, that Arnold gives up. More most often, you know, I'm constantly on about him being a midfielder. I'm constantly on about that ball in behind him, but that's not what that was. This was just out and out being out bullied, out muscled. Um, and I don't think there's probably not a right back in the Premier League who who would have um who would have been able to stop Mitrovic was he was getting to that ball and he was getting he was getting that goal regardless of who was in front of him. But I think you're right in general. His play wasn't great, and I do think. There is something to not having a a a challenger for your space that lends it's it's just human instinct that if you don't feel threatened in your role that there is a little bit about that. But I think overall, like I mean, you get more good out of out of Trent than you do bad. So just one of those days. Like Mitrovic, um, he was. I just don't know how he didn't win man of the match yesterday when I saw the guy with the Salah. I just couldn't understand it at all. Because Salah was anonymous Salah. for the first half. Like. Did BT give it to Salah? Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, I'm just looking, sorry. I'm just on the Premier League. The Premier League man of the match was Mohamed Salah, yeah. Um, oh, no. I think that's, um, I think that's a fan. Oh, no. Salah, I don't know. Okay. I think that's I, even stupid. Never mind then. Um, I think I think beat he gave it to me to me oh, right. not be he'd a goal and assist yeah he'd a goal and assist Salah but uh, I mean he did nothing for not that he did nothing he was obviously trying and gave himself and his days weren't bad but um he didn't do anything to, well he didn't do anything of note really until Harvey Alley came on and yeah, which is a real Eddie positive really response. yeah I thought Eddie was really good when he came on yeah I was very impressed with him and I the other thing I thought was was interesting was that. There's this, I just, I see Liverpool losing and I'm not in any way happy because I know they're going to come back and they have this gene or there's something about Liverpool when they're down that in, at no stage do I ever think they're going to lose a game. And that's an incredible um, talent to have um, because it's constant. You can rely on it. It's a little bit like Ferguson, United under Ferguson, you know, yeah. Ferguson and stuff like that. But it, it there's just... A constant feeling that Liverpool are going to get back into games, and I think that's really good to have. The injuries are obviously going to be concerning now because Diaz, um, Thiago, I don't know how long uh, Diaz is. Is it just a knock, or is he out for longer, or what? I haven't heard that, but I know Thiago's out for a little bit more of time. Diaz isn't injured. Did he not get hurt though? No, no, Diaz. Sorry, Diaz didn't get hurt. No, Diaz is okay. Thiago's going to be out for looks a longish one. Looks like a hamstring went yesterday, um, which is just like, as a Liverpool, obviously very very disappointing. But I, I, they're not going to panic. 
I don't think can go out and get someone. I think, and I'm happy enough with this. I think they're going to try and trust who they have, and it looks like at the top of the, the pecking order is going to be Harvey Elliott, which I think is a good thing if if he's ready, chuck him in. Like uh, give him like last year until he had that unfortunate injury, he was starting anyway, mm. and he's playing quite well in games, and he he'd nowhere like there was no issues with confidence. Or whatever when he came on yesterday, took control of the game midfield. It did help too when James Milner came on alongside him, and I think it emptied Harrison Reed within about thirty seconds. Um, which is what James Milner seems to do every time he comes on to substitute. It's just the first opponent he sees in his vicinity, he just tackles him. But um, yeah, like there is Kanata is going to be a long one too. Jada's going to be back. Jada's one nobody talks about. He's coming back probably starting next start of September. No one's really talking about him. He's massive. I think if Jada is on yesterday, um, it could be different for Liverpool if he's a sub coming on because he just finds goals in the box. I don't know how potent he is. Like he's he's very underrated that way, and we'll see how that goes. But there's, there's no panic for me anyway. I know there's certain certainly panic from a lot of Liverpool fan base, but I'm not going to panic yet. Um, I'll panic if it gets to March and things like this are still happening. Um, but until then, I'll just enjoy the ride. The other teams then, uh, sort of involve bad members or whatever. Well. This one does, but Man City won, Chelsea won, Arsenal won, and Spurs won. So good start for sort of the rest of the contenders out of the top six. Um, Arsenal Friday night, myself and Brett, we watched that with Cousin Mud. Um, they were, they weren't like they didn't blow us away, Brett, but it was impressive how actually solid they seemed at the back. Yeah, kind of. Um, first. What would you say? First 20 minutes, um, they were very good, I thought, and I thought they were going to like run away with the game. Um, Jesus started like a house on fire. He was um, really impressive, dribbling, getting on the ball a lot, um, picking it up you know, a wee bit deeper and running at Palace. Um, and sort of Jack and Odegaard especially, the same. Um Arsenal had a lot of the ball and um, just looked very comfortable, as you say. Um, second half would, would probably be um, a bit more of a concern. Um, they kind of took their foot off the gas a bit. Um, and I think Arteta maybe referenced it afterwards. Um, but still, you know, Going to Salhurst first game of the season, not conceding and picking up three points is um is pretty impressive for Arsenal. I think um I I don't think it's a thing anymore, but um kind of being accused of not being gritty enough or or not um being physically strong enough to see games out and um, maybe being a bit soft at the back, um. Not really Arsenal anymore. Do you know what I mean? I think the Gabriel looked a bit suspect. Saliba was was very good, um, but I think that backline um, might just need a, a bit more time to gel. Zinchenko was good. Ben White, I don't know. I think you know Mud was was kind of talking about this. I, I don't know if he'll keep his place um, when Tomiyasu. Um, is fit again? He probably shouldn't. Um, really? No, because he he was um he was got at by Zaha a good bit, um, and sort of the Palace were threatening. That's where it was coming from. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Pass got through on a couple, a couple of occasions. Ramsdale made a, a very good save. Um, but apart from that, Arsenal, Arsenal did look good. Um, not as you said, not you know, blowing us out of the water in terms of the performance. But um, you know, a lot of teams didn't really this weekend. Chelsea included. Um, probably Man City included as well. Um, the only one you would maybe say is is Tottenham. Um, who who had a very convincing win, and goals coming from all over the pitch looked looked very good. Um, so yeah, Arsenal solid start. They'll be happy with that away from home. You know, one of the hardest places to go in the Premier League. Um, but still some some gel under there. Yeah, you you mentioned Chelsea there as well. Um, they they obviously won yesterday, Jorginho penalty, but. Nothing really to show going forward, Brent. And is is that a concern? Sort of, sort of just what I mentioned as well. You know, um, first game of the season. You, I think I thought Chelsea have a terrible record at Goodison. Um, I think they've lost four of their last five games or something. Um, you know, obviously Everton had a well, the bad season last year, clearly. But did a good end of the season. One of those results was beating Chelsea. I think, um, you know, the atmosphere at Goodison was was very good towards the end of the season, um, and you know, the mood probably more positive than negative going into a new season. Um, I think they did that thing where they, um, again. Uh, you know, they all went down to where the buses come in and give the team a good welcome. I'm not sure they always do that, but um, you know, trying to create that atmosphere. Um, I thought Chelsea sort of did what they had to do. Um, I think three points. I think Tuchel said, you know, after the game, three points is obviously the most important thing, but we'll need to do better than that. We'll need to improve. Um, you know, it looks like. They're going after Fafana massively, um, but I think you're right. I think up top is is where there's probably going to be, as it was last year, you know, where there's probably going to be the most issues. Uh, it's it's very very hard to to see who they could possibly bring in who's going to get them goals, um, unless they're you know I think Werner is going to leave on a permanent. Uh, back to Leipzig, it looks like, uh, uh, unless you know they're going to rely on on sort of that Man City Liverpool um, formation uh, from from last year. Now they obviously both have big number nines, but um, Havertz, Sterling, and Mount did switch out a good bit yesterday, um, and just make that a fluid front three. I, I don't know if. If it's gonna be sharing the goals or, or expecting more goals to come from from wing backs or um, or what the plan is, but I, I don't think Tuchel does want somebody. There is talk of a Bamiang. I don't know. I mean, I've spoke out in the past on the pod about a Bamiang. Um, just think how unprofessional he's been at Arsenal, um, and I don't think he'd be a good character to bring in. To be honest, that personally, I wouldn't want them, but. He's a goal scorer, you know, and they need somebody with those abilities. And you just look at, at 
Holland and, and Nunez and think, you know, they'd be perfect. Um, but yeah, it's not, um, it's not all doom and gloom, but I, I still think there might be a few people through the door, Chelsea. What did you make of it yesterday, Steve? I Chelsea were crying out for Lukaku. <laughs> um, no. uh, I, I, do you know what? I wasn't as disappointed in Chelsea as I think I think Johnny said in the group. He thought he was very disappointed with them. Like, it, it's not great. Like, you can't play that system without, without like, uh, a target man, I don't think. Like, you get away with it a little bit, but it just felt like they're missing that, that number nine to kind of to, to be the focal point of the, the attack. Um, but I think you're right. Like, I think Goodison, first game of the season, tight little ground. It's not it's not a great place to start your season. I think to come out of it with three points, you'll be happy enough, especially with Everton set up. Like, Jesus Christ, he couldn't have been more defensive if he'd have tried. Like, um, I thought it was interesting that they left it so late to bring Conor Gallagher on. I thought he had such a good season last year. I wonder, does he rate yeah. him at all? Um, I'd, I'd have Apparently he does. Yeah, I just had yeah. him on a little bit earlier. Um, Especially because the likes of of, um, of Mount, I think, Phil, you picked up that, you know, Tuggle was pointing at Mount and saying he was sleeping and stuff. He didn't have his best game. Um, I think... It would have been probably a good idea to to maybe bring him on, and because he had brought Broha on at that stage, and I think Sterling and Broha were playing in a in a two up top, so you know bringing Gallagher on to kind of shore up that midfield, and you know as you said, like with Palace last year, you saw the energy he had, um, and that's probably exactly what Chelsea needed at that point. Um, I think he he. Should and and hopefully will play more uh, than just you know token appearances at the end of games. I hope so anyway. Hope I'm not wrong with that. Yeah, like look, a win's a win. It's three points. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a good result. But yeah, that was the one thing that kind of surprised me most. That felt like it's a, the kind of game he could have came in and made a, a big difference in a lot earlier. What was it like? Eight minutes into injury time or whatever it was when he came on. Like yeah, it just yeah yeah just so strange like. Um, I can't believe you didn't let me comment, Phil, as well on uh, on Brendan Arteta um, on, on Friday Night Football <laughs> as well because I, I don't know how anyone can take Arsenal Football Club seriously after watching that documentary. So um, fair play to them; they went and got a win away from home this weekend. Um, but I'm not sure. I actually, I I think Arteta. I liked it. I've, well, I'm on. I've just finished the um, the Liverpool four 0 episode. Um, I've just finished it today. Uh, before Finn came back home from from his granny's house and, and Paw Patrol's input on, but um, I, I liked it. But I I think as well, I do think Arteta is in it. I think Arteta is putting on a bit of a show at times to sort of I don't know. I don't know if it's like with Rogers, right? With Rogers, it's like he's putting on a show because he would literally melt himself down, eat himself. I'm not sure if that's what our Ted is at, but I do like there are there are there are some things he does. You're like, Christ, I can't believe he's let them let let this be filmed. Um, but I quite like him. There's there's a, there's some side of him I I like from it. Like there's a, obviously the emotional story and different things he tells about um, when he was a child and the heart operation and different things. But uh, I haven't watched it all. But the bit where he gets them to rub their hands together 
Uh, and then I think is it, is it Aston Villa they maybe beat. Um, and then Aubameyang roasts him afterwards. I thought it was quite funny, like, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's uh, Klopp has said he'll never do one of these. Um, He's right. You can understand. Yeah, you can understand why. I don't know who this season's gonna be. Uh, I don't know if it's been announced yet, but. I think he gets away with a lot because uh, someone said this to me the other day, and I thought it was it, it, I thought it was accurate, <laughs> and it's such a strange thing to say, but bear with me. He gets away with more because he's handsome than he would if he wasn't a good-looking man. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the like it's like was it? He is uh, handsome. He is very handsome man. Like he he does look a bit like an android, but like he is a very handsome man. Um, was it Didier Deschamps was like convinced that all footballers had to have their wisdom teeth removed because it made them better footballers? Um, it's that kind of woo nonsense that just yeah, I'm I'm I can't take the person seriously. I think he's a good coach. I think he's he's I think he he is very much obviously of the Pep school of 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 super high intensity, and that probably just tips over into the wrong side every now and again, maybe a little bit too often. Like, I think he's the right coach for Arsenal, but I just think he gets away with, he gets away with so much that we would roast so many other managers for. Um, but I, I thought, I wasn't actually as impressed as, 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 as maybe some other people were with Arsenal on, on, on Friday night. Uh, it just felt a bit plodding at times. Um, and that's not what I expected from Arsenal from what, how they kind of finished last year or whatever. So again, it's a win away from home. So the Arsenal fans are going, are going to be delighted. But I don't know. There was just, it didn't do anything for me. I wasn't excited about the return to the Premier League after watching it. I can, I can tell you that. <laughs> was there anything for you to, just to finish up the last five minutes, um, that stood out that we haven't spoke about? Was there anything, I know obviously you mentioned Spurs. And pardon me, was there anything else that stood out this weekend that was interesting, the good or bad? Um, I haven't fully looked into it, but was there something about Jesse Marsh? Um, there there was a bit of a bust up. Um, yes, at the sideline at the end With of the, the game. Bruno do, you, Lager. do you know more about that? I don't. Oh. It hasn't come out yet because Bruno. Uh, has said he, he won't discuss it. And it won't. It's, it's he's not for public ears or something. He's not going to let go. Of what it was, but I do believe there was something said. Uh, whether it was in the vicinity of a player or not, um, but there was something said by Jesse Marsh that Bruno took offence to, um, and obviously it caused a little well, bit of it. It turned out Bruno Lage ended up giving giving him the finger, like um, pretty close to his face. <laughs> Um, yeah, which which know, is always excellent. Actually, I I, I really um, enjoyed. I endorse that. I actually, yeah, I would I would do that to Finn actually. So I fully endorse that type of behaviour. Um, but like, Leeds got a win, but uh, Jesse March comes across a bit of a bollocks, like doesn't he? Manager, I'm sorry. Manager, what manager? Manager of the year, Jesse Marsh. Yeah, man- manager of the year, Jesse Marsh. Um, no, I, like to think, like I, I have no issue. Well, I have a big issue with teams who kind of throw handbags when they lose. If you don't want teams rubbing it in, fucking win the game. Like it's really simple. Like you know, you, if you win yeah. a game, you are perfectly entitled to lord it over the other team. 
Like I don't get it. Like just be better. Like if you don't want if you don't want the team rubbing in your face, don't let them beat you. Like it's it's really that simple. Um, I I, I was I was I I didn't get the reaction at all. I think it's just like obviously sort. No one like no one obviously likes to lose. Obviously, but like. This thing about he said something that can't be said, unless it was racism, right? And then I will not condone it whatsoever. You can say whatever the fuck you want to someone, really. Um, we're all adults, like, you know, get, get over it, like, a little bit. What I did want to touch on, I think it wasn't obviously the results. Um, but I thought Gavin, Banz- uh, Gavin Bazunu, uh, played a really great game for Southampton yesterday. I thought he made a couple of really good saves. He was just let down by the most static, Back five I have ever seen in my life. I've never seen one of them scored. But I know. But have you ever seen like you know the foosball table where they're on a uh, they're on a bar and they can't move? <laughs> That's what I was like watching uh, Southampton yesterday. It was just unreal. Um, how how poor and how slow they were. But I thought it was a little bit worrying for uh, for Arsenal and Chelsea fans just how good Spurs were uh, at the, the, the other side, and that was without Son and Kane playing particularly well at all. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting season for for London football, I think, and uh, they do seem a different outfit now than the Spurs that maybe we're we've been used to over the last few years. Yeah, they seem just like this. They just seem like Conte. All eleven of them are Conte. Yeah, it seems like he's just molded them all to his will, uh, which is what we knew was going to happen. Um, when he got time, and if if a, if a club give him the time, and patience, uh, and a preseason or whatever, then this is going to happen again. It's early doors, and last year they beat Man City at the start of the season, uh, and then things fell away from them. So we'll see what happens, but they definitely do look like a different outfit. Before we finish up, one little thing I wanted to touch on as well was I, I think we might already have a manager who's going to be in serious trouble in a few games. I think that's going to be Steven Gerrard. I was just about to say. I, I think. think really I think. I think Villa fan, Villa. Well, I I know through Twitter and obviously different things. A few Villa fans, and if you go on the Villa Twitter, you can see how toxic sort of is towards him now. Things haven't um, really improved. Things have gone stale, uh, and they have been for a while. And I don't think he's going to see much of this season. Um, unless things change rapidly, and he he plays Everton, and he's against Frank Lampard on Saturday. So, um, Gerard and Lampard at it again uh, against each other, but we'll see what happens. But that is one to note and keep an eye on, folks, because I think that might go fairly sour for Gerard fairly quickly. But unless that's it, are you anything else, Brendan? Um, there was something else I was going to add, actually. Um. Leicester also it's just a few the few teams that I thought might um be in trouble just when you were talking about um Bizzuni there. Southampton looked like they could be in big trouble this season. Um if obviously nothing to do with him, but <clears throat> just the way they were set up yesterday, um shades of the nine nil um they just seem capable of of shipping a lot of goals. Um, Leicester obviously were in front, pegged back by Brentford. Um, Leicester could have a difficult year ahead of them, and obviously you've already mentioned Aston Villa. Um, not impressive performances from those teams at all. Um, so there, there's <laughs> there's candidates uh, for relegation. Um, when you take well, uh, in fairness, I haven't seen Nottingham Forest, but. Um, making that many signings 
not usually a good sign. Yeah, but we'll, but we'll we'll see how they get on. Yeah, I think I think I I would be stunned if we didn't if it wasn't uh, Everton Forest and um, Villa that went down um, based on what I saw yesterday and today. Um, so Hampton are in trouble, I think, but I think they'll probably make a managerial change early enough, and maybe Villa will too. Um, but yeah, that's there's a there's a few like really stand out bad performances already that you'd worry about where the wins are going to come from at all. Yeah. Interesting. So a bit up and down for everyone then, and no one really, apart from Spurs, sort of standing out with um, their performance, which Johnny will love when he hears me say that uh, towards the end of the podcast. But um, that is it. The first week of the Barclays is over us. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. All of it actually. Glad to have it back. Um, we're about to hit, I think it's like 20 games in 20 days by the sounds of it here uh, in, in a week or two. Um, and players are going to be absolutely, yeah. it's going to be the slowest played World Cup of all time because players are going to be completely goosed when they get out can there. Can I give but, a um, special shout out? Yes, of course you can. Um, actually, just want to give a special shout out to Steve um, for uh, sticking in there with the with the first week of the fantasy football. Uh, we obviously have a new league this year um, and I think there's maybe close to 250 people in it. Um, 292. Uh, 292, close to 300. Um, I think I'm close to 80th, maybe 77, <laughs> something like that. Um, but Steve is, is within the top 10. Aren't Trying you third. Trying third. There you go. Five points off so, the top. Yeah, good week. <laughs> not that I'm counting, obviously, not that I'm counting, but like I got I got absolutely bodied on Twitter for not having Haaland or Kane in my team, and it just goes to show you have to think differently than everyone else. Yeah, so we'll we'll keep it close. Uh, give some some updates throughout the season, but um, definitely the standout performer in the bubble so far is is Mr. O'Rourke. Nice, well done, Stephen. Um, folks, there'll be some written pieces coming out this week for us as well. Um, so keep an eye on those and obviously um, tell all your mates about the podcast share the podcast, retweet it, share it on Instagram wherever you see it um, and hit like and subscribe and whatever app you use to download as well subscribe too and if you're on iTunes leave a wee comment on your rating um, that's it folks, no more Barclays don't think until the weekend so enjoy it um, see you again next week and hopefully all your teams lose, good luck <laughs>